0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the official podcast of the Canadian Space Society, Space A. am your host, Mahima Kapoor. I hope that everyone is keeping well these days in times of uncertainty with the global pandemic. In light of this, one of the things Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield said was that being in self-isolation is actually not that different than being an astronaut. You have to manage your resources effectively and learn to live in the same confined space. He also gave a pro tip that you should take action and use the downtime to start something new. Well, here we are starting something new and if you're listening thanks for being on this journey with us. Today's episode would feature our first guest Andrea Yip who is the CEO and founder at Luna Design and Innovation. Luna Design and Innovation is the official channel partner for the Blue Origin New Shepard system. Andrea is a very exciting individual to speak to. She has a master's in public health from the University of Toronto. She's a design strategist, scientist public health practitioner, and is passionate about creating human-centered experiences that advance health for humanity. So without further ado, please welcome Andrea Yip.
1: Welcome, Andrea. Uh, Thanks so much for your time and being here. So based on my research, I found that you've worked for some very interesting company, and you have your own consulting company as well. And most recently, you founded Luna Design and Innovation, which helps biotech companies plan research missions to space. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more um, and then we can get into some interesting questions that I have for you. Sure.
2: Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think it's nice to have some normalcy in our day-to-day lives, especially with everything that's happening in the world. So uh, grateful for this opportunity to reflect back on my experiences working in space and biotech. I think you covered me pretty well, uh, but uh, like like you said, um, you know, I, I have been working in, a, the healthcare space for quite a long time. Um, I've always been very passionate about creating and designing healthcare experiences um, from a product and service perspective. And so I worked in and out of the public and private sector and uh, really delighted that it's led me here today to the space sector and, and working along the intersection of space um, biotech. And uh, and like you mentioned, you know, my company, Luna, we've been around um, for about a year now. And uh, we've had the pleasure of being able to work with uh, and alongside a lot of different uh, launch companies in the space sector, um, a lot of, you know, facilitators in the industry to really help uh, scientists do novel R&D in space. And Uh, uncover new insights and learnings that can be applied to healthcare, both in space and on Earth. Uh, So that's been my focus for the past while, really delighted to work with partners like Blue Origin, for instance, we are the official biotech partner for them globally, for their new Shepard system. So uh, excited to be able to bring new space technologies to a new market.
1: Yeah, that sounds very exciting. So one of the things that I always like to kind of get into is to learn about people's backgrounds and how they kind of got to where they are now. And of course, you have lots of interesting professional experience, but I want to know a little bit more about your early life experiences, or maybe even later in life, some of the influences that you had, which contributed to your fascination with space. So I know that you sort of had the public health uh, background. So what kind of got you interested in space and actually founding Luna? yeah, well, I think uh, I
2: think there's a couple of things. I was re- reflecting on this. and um I, I would say that uh, I've always been involved in the sciences in some capacity. And so, as i you know, I think when I was young, I was always really excited about biology, math, chem, um all those different areas. and that's that's actually what propelled me into studying in my undergrad biological sciences and then moved me into more of the social sciences. Um, from a, a public health perspective. So I think uh, always having that connection to science has been really important for me in terms of, you know, stimulating curiosity and excitement and having like more of a design and exploratory mindset that got me really excited about all, all different areas of STEM and STEAM and, um, and, and space as well. I think, I think especially for space, science fiction has played a really important role in uh, helping me imagine what possible futures there are uh, that we have in space, especially when it comes to healthcare. And so um, I would say that uh, science fiction, whether that's in the form of like uh, television or film or books, um, you know, I think I've had a lot of different influences in my life. Uh, I remember growing up with my grandmother who would always, she didn't speak English. So she would always watch very visually stimulating shows like, World, uh, worldwide wrestling, <laughs> as well as Star Trek, and but it was Star Trek that actually, you know, started to get me interested in in different worlds and different ways of of that humans and you know non humans could sort of exist together and explore new new worlds together. And so even that from, you know, TV to reading um, Ted Chiang or Octavia Butler, Lucy Hsien, I think there's just so many different science fiction writers that have helped expand my mind and just understand what might even be possible. Um, and I think that's really important when it comes to space and, and being able to imagine, you know, how might we leverage something that we're still learning so much about and only starting to access really fully for the first time now. So I think for me, um, I th- that's played a really critical role. And and that's something that I think is important for engaging anyone in this sector, just being open to uh, new ways of thinking and, and creative imagination
1: for sure i think that's a common theme with a lot of people in space especially astronauts i think a lot of their early influences do come Mm -hmm. from star trek um and just and just sci-fi content in general it's just so fascinating to think about i kind of want to go back and watch some star trek stuff i haven't really seen much but um yeah it's definitely interesting Okay, so, yeah, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, was there a transformative moment in your career or life? Or was it kind of a gradual progression in your career where you felt, hey, these two disciplines both really interest me and I feel like, you know, my skill set kind of fits here. So I just want to hear more about that.
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, So I would say that uh, I was working in the pharma sector uh, before I I sort of started Luna and when I was there, I started thinking about space actually and having conversations with folks there. And it it just piqued my curiosity because I was wondering, you know, as as I saw the space industry move from B2B to B2C, there's this gigantic opportunity and opening for new companies and, you know, the biotech and pharma sector to be able to leverage space as a platform. And so, uh, seeing that shift, and and seeing you know a lot of commercial industries drive space exploration now, uh, and open up opportunities for everyday folks and and researchers to be able to access space, whether that's them flying there or you know sending a research experiment up. Uh, I think that's really exciting. and And when I saw more of that shift happening, i I felt like it was really important to be a part of that because I think this is the early end of innovation in space. And you know now that folks can actually you know send up smaller experiments and do that on on a more affordable and accessible scale, uh, it's really exciting. So um, that I think that seeing that happen really pushed me into uh, trying to pursue Luna more seriously and and full time. And so that's what I did. And so I ended up using my design skill to create an astronaut experience map. It's something that, you know, we create a lot in the design industry. It's trying to understand the full journey of someone who's going through an experience. And this, in this case, it was an astronaut, a future astronaut um, trying to imagine what it would be like to buy a ticket to space from buying that ticket to going up to, you know, post-flight. And uh, I created that and I shared that with all the space companies that I was really excited about and they all talked to me. And I, I think for me, that was a really important indicator, of this shifting environment where, you know, the doors have to open for um, consumers and new markets to be able to access space. And uh, it it calls for a better human experience as a part of that and a better customer experience because now you have a whole different group of people um, using this uh, space environment for leisure or for research or for anything else. So uh, for me, that's what helped me got started.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's super exciting. I think even just for, you know, as a layman to think like, you know, we might be able to, to travel there some time. And it's just, it's super cool to think about. So the other thing that I want to ask you is Luna kind of, you know, focuses on biotech companies planning their research projects in space. So why why do you think this biotech companies, firstly, should they consider this? And this kind of ties in with my next question is about why is microgravity a good environment for biological research?
2: So I think it's a really exciting environment to consider using space as a as a research platform. You know, it offers a microgravity environment and and I think it's really novel because we've we know that through past research and experimentation in space. Uh, that things behave differently, you know, from a biological perspective, cells express their express genes differently, They, they grow differently, they behave differently, liquids too. I mean, I think when you remove gravity from the equation, we start to notice new things that we can't really see here on Earth. And I think that's where the value of space comes in. And today, it's been really underutilized. And it's been a harder and slower process to actually send research to space. And so I think if we can Find smaller ways to invest and send research up. Then companies that try this today can be really great at it ten years down the road. Um, and there's low and, and low cost and low risk ways to actually start doing this. So a lot of times I end up talking to companies who are interested in more STEM focused experiments for young people, or even just trying small, smaller experiments that can get their feet wet and, and help them, you know, try this out for the first time. So I, I think that, you know, from a pharma biotech perspective, there's a there's a few interesting use cases. I think they're endless, but the ones I'll just mention that I've seen that are really popular over the years, you know, protein crystallization is one of them. It's sort of the classic classic example, um, that uh, proteins can crystallize more perfectly in space. Um, and and use, those can be used as sort of models for Earth R&D. I think another interesting area is around bone and muscle loss, uh, because we know that astronauts experience that when they're in space. And it's a really novel environment to study uh, disease areas like osteoporosis that can't really be simulated in the same ways here on Earth. Um, so I think that's actually a really unique scenario. And then one other interesting area that I find um, is growing in terms of space research is cancer research. Um, we know that in shorter term microgravity, uh, cells actually uh, proliferate quick, quickly, but then when you actually extend the time that these cells are in microgravity, uh, they, they start to go through apoptosis and you know, program cell death. And that's interesting as an insight. And I think, you know, when we can observe these types of novel behaviors, there's something to be learned about it, especially in uh, like disease areas that we've had a hard time really trying to solve here on earth. So I think that there's a lot of value in using space, especially as a secondary research platform to see how we can solve for health problems.
1: Do you find that um, a lot of companies are resistant to doing this microgravity research or using space um, as a secondary platform? Or are they kind of opening up to the idea more, but you think that, you know, it could take some more time before people are really aware?
2: Yeah, I think that a lot of folks are open to the conversation. Um, I think it does take, uh, like I was sort of alluding to before this idea of, you know, being able to imagine what it would be like to utilize space, not even just like, you know, for an experiment today, but what that could mean for a company um, investing in space, what that means for them 10 years down the road. Um, Does that mean they can be the first to have a lunar R&D module, for instance, or to, you know, be able to be a leader in in space research and and use those insights uh, for solving healthcare problems? So uh, I, I definitely... I definitely think it, it can be a bit novel to folks, um, but that's where, that's where I think it, it takes an open mindset and um, the ability to sort of stretch your imagination to see how you could leverage this opportunity. Um, I, I do think that there's a need to build a strong evidence base around space research for the biotech sector. Um, And now that there is more opportunity for more frequent and affordable access, I think we can start really doing that um, in a serious way so that this builds up over time and and we can clearly know how this research can benefit healthcare uh, research streams Mm -hmm. down the road.
1: One of the other things that I want to ask you, and since this is the Canadian Space Society podcast, I always like to kind of link it back to Canada and we are interviewing Canadians in space. Um, So one of the things I want to ask you is, do you see anything as a lacking in the Canadian space um, zone that we have here or or in in health policy as well? Because you're kind of at the, the forefront of the integration of those two fields. But do you feel that there's anything missing or do you find that there's actually a lot of support in the Canadian space community for endeavors um, such as yours?
2: Yeah, so I would say that um, I think that the Canadian space community, sort of like the broader space community, it feels like a smaller, uh, tight knit community uh, and one that's I've always appreciated it. It feels very friendly and cooperative. Um, And I love that about this, this space. One of the things I would love to see more of is enablement of folks who are interested in doing microgravity-based research, uh, more opportunities to do this. I I realize, you know, it, it can be harder to identify funding opportunities. I think CSA has been doing a great job of of leading the charge here, but I, I would love to see this expand, and I'd love to see more opportunities, especially with new technologies on the rise that are more accessible and more frequent uh, for researchers. So, you know, going beyond, you know, what parabolic flight can offer, when you do have suborbital vehicles that are now on the market and and available to researchers, uh, it does take some funding to do that, and um, and so I would love to see more opportunities for that. Uh, to happen for researchers and and even for you know stem groups, um, I think it's really important for young people to access these opportunities in space. and it's incredible because you know it, I wish in high school I could say I flew <laughs> something to space uh, and that's that's much more doable today. Uh, so I, I think you know, why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that opportunity? And how can we um, enable more young people to get excited about this at a younger age, especially young women?
1: Like I can even speak for myself. I think you're a great role model for for women in STEM. And and definitely that's another goal of this podcast is really, hopefully we'll get more young women and young people in general, listening and kind of just inspired by your story. So we've got some great uh, information here and I definitely love talking to you, Um, but I want to kind of know, so what, what are the next steps for Luna? I know you guys are fairly new um, and it's a recent endeavor that you've taken upon. Um, And I don't know how much you can um, actually even talk about it, but maybe if you could share something about what's coming up in the pipeline for Luna and what do you kind of see as your vision for maybe 2020?
2: Yeah. Um, So I would say that, you know, Luna right now, we are uh, working directly with biotech and pharma companies, uh, trying to find new ways to open conversations about space and enable that. Um, I would love to see us move in a more product-oriented direction uh, where we can, uh, you know, find ways to, to make it much easier for folks to send, re- space, uh, send research to space. Um, right now, it can be a bit of a, a challenging experience and it's not always very intuitive. I mean, how many of us have ever worked in microgravity-based environments before? Uh, so uh, I'd love to make that much more streamlined experience and, and something that can be really affordable uh, with reusable products that can help people actually you know, send up their research. Um, I would say that, you know, in 2020, it's a it's a a funny (laughs) year uh, for everyone. Um, But I I would hope that, you know, we can still keep our space ambitions alive. And I think it's actually really important uh, to to keep that a level of normalcy and to be able to pursue our passions in space. So as much as possible, I want to I want to continue enabling people to do that um and uh yeah and you know I think that with everything else going on in the world I'm just hoping that we're all gonna be safe and happy and healthy
1: so thanks so much for your uh time today Andrea um it's a great uh experience talk to you and it was a quick conversation but I feel like I got a lot of um insight into how you like to do things and sort of your background as well um because rarely do we get to kind of uh, hear you know such inspiring career stories and and people who could really be good role models for young people out there and that's what we're trying to do through this podcast as well. Uh, so thanks so much for your time and if you have any um, you know last things to add, feel free.
2: Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. I think it's great that uh, there's this podcast and and to hear more stories of people who are doing this work um sometimes we don't always get to hear that and uh i think those narratives are incredibly important uh it's it's not easy to start a business and it's not um you know it's really important to have a support network out there and to to be able to share these stories to learn and grow and and you know become better leaders so i I appreciate it so much
0: so there you have it folks andrea yip of luna design and innovation These are definitely uncertain times, and we hope that everyone's staying safe. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.